What do artificial intelligence and spirituality have to do with each other? I have raised this issue with many gurus, many spiritual people from various traditions, but there's one person, Swami Sarvapriyanand of Ramakrishna Mission in New York, who gets it. I, he asked me to explain AI to him and what the significance is. He caught on very quickly. So here he goes to a major conference sponsored by the United Nations on technology and spirituality with various faith leaders. And he, in fact, explains this answer from my book in a way that is absolutely amazing. So I, I invite you to listen to this and I thank Swamiji. Here we go. I was not... Um... I was not aware of the possible effects of AI on, on the domain of spirituality and philosophy. I must thank uh, Rajiv Malhotra's book. Uh, this brought the whole issue to my attention, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power, published by Rupa Publications. So, uh, based upon some of the concerns that Rajiv Malhotra has raised here, I'm going to uh, talk for the next... Uh, 10 minutes or so, 10, 12 minutes, and uh, raise four areas, four specific areas of concern. Before I go into that, I'm not complaining about AI here. It's not a negative talk. It's uh, the power and promise of AI is, uh, is acknowledged, and it is, in fact, even welcome. It's just that because the subject is ethics and AI, what are the areas in which we need to be watchful, concerned, and prepare ourselves. So I'm speaking only from my perspective, from perspective of a, uh, from perspective of spirituality, Indian philosophy, if you will, from that perspective. Four areas of concern. The first area is attention. Uh, several months ago, in fact, last year, we organized a retreat here in in Garrison, New York, on meditation. And we had sessions on different approaches to meditation, Buddhist mindfulness meditation, meditation in Kashmir Shaivism, uh, meditation in the Bhakti traditions, meditation in, uh, in Vedanta, and so on. And uh, a professor of philosophy, Professor Arindam Chakravarti, uh, when I had told him about the scheme about, of this uh, retreat, he said, that's very interesting. At the end of it, what you should do is take a look at what is common to all these traditions. Uh, so that would be interesting. And we found in all these diverse traditions, you know, Buddhist meditation, that's, that's a perspective which does not accept the existence of God uh, compared to the bhakti traditions in Hinduism, which are all about God. What could be common to these approaches? Um, the, the upshot was we discovered what is underlying all meditation techniques, uh, all meditation traditions is training of attention. So that's the common thing. And that is an area of concern already with our existing uh, uh, internet and social media technologies. There was this uh, documentary film which made uh, some waves here last year, um, The Social Dilemma, which talked about how social media is impacting two areas. One is um, attention and the other one is uh, privacy. So. Uh, you know, all these Facebook and Twitter and, um, you know, all these social media platforms where the first thing we notice is that an enormous amount of uh, uh, services are provided to us. And there is a saying, and it seems to be provided to us free. And there is a saying that if something is being provided free to you, 
then you are the product which is being sold. And that is true. These modern social media platforms, they provide an uh, enormous amount of free service to us. But what is being sold there is us, more specifically, our attention. So they talk about an attention economy. See, what propels these uh, technologies? What fuels these technologies? Uh, it is nothing more than money, of course. It's, it's profit-driven. And so what they discovered was it is uh, not enough to provide interesting content online anymore. Uh, we, one must also, one must in fact, uh, specifically try to grab the attention of the person. The whole idea is that they, these platforms make money from advertisement. And so that demands our attention. What they have been doing in Silicon Valley is designing and fine-tuning these platforms so that they kind of train us into distraction. Um, instead of concentrated and focused attention, we are being trained into distraction. Let me give a practical example of what is meant by this. Our phones, I also have one of those, these smartphones. Have you noticed how once in a while they buzz or beep or there's a ting sound and something has come? Maybe a notification, maybe a little message or a text or something. It seems innocuous, but there is something insidious there. The idea there is that it functions on the same, um, same psychology as the slot machines and gambling machines in Las Vegas, for example. They provide us with some incentive to keep looking, to keep trying. And it seems it trains our um, you know, neuropsychology to keep give it, giving us bursts, bursts of uh, dopamine once in a while. Um, so that we get sort of addicted to keep looking at the device, at the smartphone or whatever. Um, the more we look at it once in a while, we get a little bit of uh, pleasure. So this is the psychology of addiction. What is the advantage to these uh, platforms? They, we are looking at them more and more. And of course, that leads to more advertisement revenue for them. Uh, as far as I understand, this is the point uh, of these you know, these constant notifications. Um, one point here is that this means these technologies, these technologies are not neutral. We always have this cliched idea that after all, it is a technology. And we've been hearing this also, that it is a technology. It can have good uses and bad uses. It's a tired old cliche. Some technologies are not neutral. Uh, somebody explained it very well. In this country, people have guns. They keep a lot of guns, unfortunately, at home. So the, uh, the practice is to keep the gun cabinet, liquor cabinet and gun cabinet under lock and key so that children cannot touch them. Now, if the technology were neutral, it can be used for good or bad. Um, why would you keep it under lock and key? Uh, because people, everybody knows that there are some technologies which are more prone to accidents, to causing damage. This, uh, the way our... Uh, internet technologies are going, our, our, uh, the way artificial is coming is a kind of technology like that, which is not neutral. It can actually, and it is already causing some kind of damage. Um, students, teachers and students are already talking about a phenomenon they call continuous partial attention. Continuous partial attention. It's something that we are all, uh, we are all aware of. In fact, um, you know, in meetings, in classrooms, these days, you will notice people, it's not that people are not paying attention. People are paying attention, but only um, intermittently. 
Sometimes they're looking at their phone, sometimes at their laptop, and then again listening to you. Um, it's something that people who are listening here on this platform uh, may also be experiencing right now. Now, what is the problem here? One big problem is in spirituality, uh, as I said, all meditation techniques depend upon attention, upon the training of attention, on the ability to focus and hold focus for long periods of time, whether it is following the breath in mindfulness meditation or concentrating on the deity or holding a visualization. Um, in whichever way, or self-inquiry in Vedanta, whichever way, the fuel, the, 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 uh, the fuel behind these practices is attention. Now, the more we become distracted, the more difficult it is to uh, pay attention, to continuously hold attention. This has already, it is having severe effects in education, in corporate life, in every sphere of, uh, of human interaction, where people are, are always a little bit distracted. But the most severe impact will be on people who try to meditate, for example. It will become almost impossible. So this is one area of concern. The um, spirituality depends on attention and the training of attention. What these technologies are doing and will probably do in an exponential fashion in um, the near future is train us in the opposite direction. Um, surreptitiously, without our knowledge, from a very young age, children will be trained to distraction and restlessness. So this is one point. The second point is community, um, selflessness, altruistic action, what one might call you know, the term karma yoga, which basically means that uh, our instinctive, um, the, the, the instinctive uh, urge is to act for ourselves selfishly. And if one wants to be spiritual, one must extend the boundaries of the self, include others. So engage in selfless uh, action, in altruistic action, in service activities, for example. Now, what is the connection to AI? The one problem could be, and is already is, is that these technologies tend to cut us away from our fellow, fellow human beings. It's a common sight everywhere if you go to an airport, not in these pandemic days, maybe, but usually at an airport or a railway station, you will see hundreds of people, thousands of people, all sitting close together but not interacting with each other. Uh, they are all looking at their screens and they're absorbed in their screens. I go for walks in Central Park here, a beautiful place, but half the time people are on their screens. They're not looking around. Um, in one of the Upanishads, in the, I think the Kato Upanishad, it is said, why is it that it's so difficult to realize the truth about ourselves? The problem is that we are uh, continuously externalized. Uh, our senses flow outwards. Um, so that is the problem. We are always looking at the world outside and not inside, and therefore it's difficult to realize the truth about ourselves. So in the Upanishad, it says this. I remember many years ago, I'm, I chanted that particular verse um, in a talk, in a conference, and the moderator, who was uh, um, a retired IFS officer, and a very erudite lady, she stood up and said, Swamiji has said that we should, uh, we are too much engaged in looking at the world outside, we should look within. And, and I'm saying that it would be good if we were engaged in looking at the world outside. We are not even looking at the world outside, we are looking at our screens. And that's now. Um, imagine when AI comes in, how much more immersive that experience will be. 
the the problem is that we might be so immersed in our virtual worlds that we forget to interact with our uh, fellow beings we lose the sense of community and that makes compassion more difficult there have been studies which have shown that compassion first of all requires attention again we are back to the question of attention we must first be aware of our fellow uh, human being and the suffering of that human being and then only compassion is evoked if we do not at all pay attention to the person next to me on the subway or um, you know in the park how we, how are we going to be aware of the suffering of the others and where will be the motivation then be for uh, um, you know for for compassion and for altruistic action so that's a second uh, uh, pro- area problem area that uh, how can there be motivation for altruistic action for compassion when we are not aware of our community of human uh, of, of fellow human beings the third area of of concern would be what might be generally called bhakti uh, all religions theistic religions it's about god but even the non theistic religions like buddhism and jainism the the feeling of love and compassion and devotion is to be cultivated so what what is the underlying philosophy is that our desires continuously flow out in a hundred different channels through to the world and ultimately these are not satisfying if you really want satisfaction and peace of mind you have to collect all these desires and sublimate them and focus them either towards god uh, or you know a transcendent being um, enlightened being like the buddha or the jina or whatever it is and focus it in the love of all beings now if uh, ai and I, it's almost certain that ai is going to be driven by the profit motive it will even more insidiously more effectively uh, seek to fulfill every little desire uh, and uh, maximize our uh, outward urges our desires for a hundred different things in the world because it's going to be market driven profit driven anyway so that's another area of concern that our uh, bhakti traditions might be impacted and finally uh, from the perspective of vedanta the path of knowledge there is a curious similarity with uh, the way ai functions and and how vedanta functions also but ultimately they are very dissimilar what is the similarity both of them they uh, inquire into our self sense of self and then analyze it vedanta says that you your apparent sense of self that i am this limited body and mind this is not true this is a false self and we are shown by argument arguments and insights how we are we cannot be the body how we are not the mind that we are the spirit of the atman the witness consciousness beyond body and mind what ai does also is it analyzes our uh, thought patterns speech patterns and behavior patterns building up enormous databases and then analyzes it using algorithms so the ideas of an algorithmic self so that it can be analyzed and divided and then focused upon and then micromanage sort of but the problem with ai is that ultimately it does not find anything uh, higher or transcendent beyond this so um, there is a huge philosophical difference um, you know the basis the materialistic basis of ai and the spiritual basis of uh, of all our religious and spiritual traditions the if i were to put it in one sentence it would be the the basis of ai is that consciousness is ultimately material and can be infinitely subdivided and analyzed and uh, controlled and manipulated the spiritual approaches consciousness is not material it is transcendent and it is indivisible 
and that is where we must find ultimately seek to find meaning and peace and transcendence so these four areas of concern which we need to look out for and manage in the years ahead the uh, area of attention uh, the importance of focus versus distraction the area of altruistic action unless we are connected with our fellow fellow beings i'm afraid uh, unselfishness altruism might might disappear altogether and the area of devotion uh, into some higher power uh, that is one area that might be impacted and finally the very philosophical idea of what is a human being um what is our our ground reality uh, fundamental reality there there seems to be a conflict between the ai version of uh, of a human being and the spiritual version of of what a human being of what we truly are thank you for watching you can subscribe here and also hit the bell icon to make sure you get notified to donate please click this button